With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the third in a series of conversations about the 10 jewels of the Yoga Sutras. The 10 jewels, I believe, are the Yamas and Niyamas, two of the eight limbs of the Yoga Sutras. And the Yamas, there are five of them. They are considered personal conduct. And we're in the middle of the Yamas right now on the third Yama, which is Asteya. The Niyamas are self-observances, and there are five of those as well. Joining me today is Zach Oshaline, and we are deep in conversation about what these sutras mean, what these Yamas are for, and how we can include them in our lives. Today we'll talk about them, and then we'll also guide you into a meditation. Hmm, thanks for having me. Um, I'm excited to be here just to discover... Um, what's said about them in the Yoga Sutras, and just how they play out in our lives, and how we discover the philosophies of these different words. So, asteya is non-stealing or non-coveting, and we'll discuss how that is playing out in our lives and how we discover what that means. So, what does non-stealing mean? I mean, the obvious is not to take something that doesn't belong to you physically, but start to look at how people steal or take from others in various ways. I remember once I was um, dating this guy, he was a yoga teacher, and we came out of a really powerful lecture by uh, a wonderful philosopher. And he was definitely still enraptured by it after everybody was leaving. And I remember wanting his attention after that. I wanted to talk to him. I wanted to have him beam his attention on me. And he looked at me and he said, don't, don't steal my attention. Just let me have it. He probably said it sweeter than that, but it felt pretty sharp. But what it did, obviously, this was probably 20 years ago. It really helped me to to realize that my attention is my attention. His attention is his attention. And we get to place it where we want. People are always attention-seeking and oftentimes looking for fulfillment from outside of themselves. And whether they're stealing someone's attention or doing attention-seeking behaviors or whether they're um, trying to fulfill themselves by taking something from somebody else, outside of themselves, this is asteya. So, or, or steya, because asteya means non-stealing, and steya means stealing. Um, this fits right in with, you know, watching ourselves and how we think of others. Um, sometimes we cover, covet someone else's, you know, house or car or beauty or even the way that they think, their intelligence. Um, and what this points to is it gives us a practice back into where we feel lack or emptiness in our lives. So it actually becomes a tool 
for us to discover the true need or the true way to fill up that emptiness or that lack. Usually it's not a car or a house or more knowledge. Usually it's more of a knowledge or getting to know our true self. So it becomes a practice when we feel lack and we look towards other, others to fill that lack. The, according to the Yoga Sutras and most spiritual practices, we begin to look inside to fill ourselves, to find our true self. So this could be the practice that we use from Asteya. Asteya also is that um, it addresses that issue that a lot of people have where whatever they have is not enough, where there's a lack of appreciation for what is already attained, whether it is the safety in this moment, the people in their lives, the fact that they're fed and clothed, the fact that they have shelter, the extended and, and um, endless beauty that surrounds them. Asteya addresses appreciation of this rather than this constant desirous state which can keep people um, really unhappy and feeling unfulfilled. So remember yoga means to yoke, to yoke your attention to the source of your attention, to turn inward for that yoking rather than externally yoking to others for power or for fulfillment. And as we move into this, it also there's a neat mentioning of the beginner's mind and, and coming into each moment and discovering the fullness of each moment. Sometimes we look back into the past with um, the expectation of what's supposed to happen in the moment, and we forget to find the fullness of the moment. Therefore, we feel the neediness, we feel that lack or emptiness. So if we can just look at the moment for what it is right now, we can discover that the universe is really full of abundance. The more and more I've practiced this, the more and more I really feel that we have everything we need, that there's abundance all around us if, we're just take, if we just take the opportunity to see it. And that requires mindfulness, truly. Mindfulness is a buzzword these days, but we know that mindfulness means being present with what is, moment by moment, without judgment. That includes the beginner's mind, and it includes a real engagement with what is here now. There's a, um, a saying that is Buddhist that says, the most important person is the one in front of you. The most important action is what you're doing right now. So as I'm speaking to you, I'm really engaged in this. There's no searching externally for a sense of contentment. It's coming from inside as I'm sharing with a beginner's mind. And that can happen for anyone who is completely engaged in what they're doing while they're doing it, rather than having an expectation of an outcome or judging the moment as compared to what Zach was saying in the past. There's a, a great word called santosha, which means contentment. And asteya, or non-stealing, is a synthesis of this contentment, simplicity, and clarity. I also believe it's about appreciation for your life, appreciation for all that supports you in your life, and all of the people that are working on your behalf, whether they are the ones who made this computer that you're listening to us on, or whether it's the chair that you're sitting on, the people who constructed and designed that, or whether it's the clothes you're wearing or the food that you're eating. There's this abundance of people working on your behalf, and I believe when we start to wake up and become mindful 
of the abundance around us, we start to cultivate that santosha, that contentment, which is the opposite, uh, or actually which guides us to a staya. When we're content, we don't need anything else. So contentment is key. And um, we bring up the word practice again. It is a practice. These are ideas that we attempt to put forth in our life um, a little bit at first, and then it, and then maybe all the time we can learn how asteya can be a part of the way we think. Another aspect of asteya is when we covet, when we want something from someone else, there can be a tendency to diminish them so that you can build yourself up. And this sometimes is where gossip is born out of the want whatever someone else has and then we go into the um, speaking or the idea of diminishing what they have therefore it makes us feel better but only for the moment because that never lasts for too long so again we come back to the appreciation um, the appreciation is for what we have for us and the appreciation that other beings on this planet also feel abundant and safe there's a, a Buddhist term called mudita M-U-D-I-T-A, and we might have mentioned it before, but it's really translated as sympathetic joy. And it's a point of reflection for me, and it's really, it's really a place I look when I hear about something good that happens to others, whether it's something that great that happens for my nieces and nephews or coworkers or students. I really get a place, to, I really get an opportunity to explore my response to that. And generally speaking, when I'm doing my practices and feeling really balanced, I am genuinely, sympathetically joyful for their boon. I have a belief that there's enough for everybody, and, and abundance for one does not diminish my ability to receive it myself. But then there are those um, times when we hear about people that we maybe don't love so much, and we hear about something great happening for them, and somehow it contracts our heart that we feel like, well, wait a minute, why did they get that? They don't deserve that. So sympathetic joy is non-conditional sympathetic joy. It is not about someone's more deserving of it than another. And it's also a place to look when we think there's not enough for me. There's not enough because they've got it now. I don't have a chance to get it. So it's a really great place to look at how your relationship is with, with life. That sympathetic joy. And I like how this leads to um, if someone else has something that you feel like you want, you can realize, um, maybe intellectually at first, and then sometime in the future feeling it, that we're all one. And so if that's true, then if they get to experience it, then the whole one gets to experience it, and you're a part of that. Uh, that's a big, big philosophy. We can intellectualize it, but we can work ourselves into feeling that someday where we genuinely feel the oneness and we all get to experience this practice of oneness and whatever we have, the abundance that's on the planet. Yeah, I, I like that. I think it is a consideration at first and sometimes the the mind just has to consider it first. We don't have to wear it if it doesn't fit. And uh, I know I, I've often cautioned my students about mood making and pretending to be more spiritual than they are. And that brings us back to the point that these yamas are simply points of reflection. Where do you feel desirous and unsatisfied? Where do you feel like you're taking someone's attention unnecessarily? Where do you 
Where do you feel grateful in your life and sympathetically joyful in your life? This is just a place of reflection that um, informs us on our spiritual path. And one other aspect of this that I think is really important, it, ref- it takes us back to the first two yamas of ahimsa and um, speaking the truth, right? Satya. And um, so ahimsa is about creating nonviolence, allowing for peace. Obviously, the opposite of that is taking away peace from others, from yourself, from your environment. So this asteya really relates to that as well. It's not stealing the peace. And also, when we go to satya, it's not stealing the truth, not stealing someone's trust. Obviously, when you ask someone uh, how they feel about something, you expect they're going to answer you with sincerity and, and with honesty. So when we start to lie or pretend we're actually stealing from another. It may be a, a concept that is difficult to understand, but as a recipient of some of those experiences myself, I remember feeling completely violated when I was believing someone and yet they were not telling me the truth. I felt like they stole from me. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I um, just want to bring it back to the motivation behind this practice, and that's where the Yoga Sutras... Um, these sutras talk about is if you practice this and attempt to master it, that there's a certain boon that comes. And so just from Satchitananda, to one established in non-stealing, all wealth comes. So the sutra tells you, if you start to practice this, then wealth or abundance starts to come to you. It can't stay away from you. That's only because this whole universe is full of this creative intelligence that is unseen and subtle but benevolent and on your side. I love that. And even if you feel like no one's going to see you steal it, whether it's the last piece of cake or uh, somebody else's paycheck, um, it's still, you know, it comes to you um, in the form of karma. And we'll talk about that, that another time. I think now what we'll do is we'll meditate. So as we've talked about before, Um, we've talked about the five essentials to meditation and um, we've started with some of them, which is it's okay to have thoughts. It's okay to be distracted. Um, The second one is to be kind to yourself, that ahimsa, that nonviolence. And this new one is really what Zach was talking about, which is maintaining a beginner's mind, a mind free from preconceived notions, a mind free from imposing um, a mood on it, Simply a mind that's directly experiencing what you're experiencing rather than your thoughts about it. So a beginner's mind is really when you enter into meditation to let go of any previous experience you might have had or any comparison to other people's experience you might have read about. So maintaining a beginner's mind, letting go of expectations, and also to recognize that expectations in meditation can actually... Uh, diminish or impede the ability of the mind to settle down beyond the mental activity. Because if we're constantly watching for a certain meditation experience, we're going to actually inhibit it from happening. So let's get comfortable wherever you are. Ideally sitting up if you can and closing your eyes. With your eyes closed, you might begin to notice that you're a little more aware of the sounds in the environment. 
So take a moment and welcome everything you hear. Without identifying them, you can simply listen to the sound of the sounds as they arise from the silence and return to the silence. It's like the sound of my voice. And with your eyes closed, you also might become aware of the sensations present physically for you. Take a moment and make any adjustments you might need to create comfort. Relaxing your forehead and your face. And relaxing your shoulders. In your belly. In your hips. And with a beginner's mind, begin to allow your attention to travel in the interior of your body and begin to explore what it feels like to be alive. Often the contrasts are what we find, whether it's the contrast of coolness and warmth. Or comfort and discomfort. Notice any dryness, and what does dryness actually feel like? Or perhaps you're aware of moistness. Feel that. Notice heaviness and lightness. And with the same beginner's mind that you use to explore sensations that perhaps you've taken for granted, you can begin now to explore the sensation of breathing.
with a beginner's mind feeling the breath and noticing something different about it that you might not have noticed before. Perhaps it's a sensation. Perhaps it's a sound. Feel the cool air as you inhale and the warmed breath as you exhale and let your attention rest on the sensation of coolness and warmth. Rest your attention now on movement and stillness within the breath. If you'd like, you can begin to silently say to yourself on the inhale, I am aware I am breathing in. On the exhale, I am aware that I am breathing out. This helps to yoke your attention in this moment. Or you can simply shorten it to in, out. If your attention drifts away, you can gently, once you notice it, bring it back to the constancy of your breath. It doesn't matter how many times you have to refocus. This practice is a training of your attention, and it helps to yoke your attention to this moment, where your body is, where your breath is, where your life is, becoming mindful and noticing the feeling of contentment.
through this simple practice of breath awareness, you can consider the practices that you've already been reflecting on. Ahimsa and nonviolence. As you sit in meditation with a kindness towards yourself. There's satya and being truthful. As you sit in this truth of being. And there's asteya of being content. without greed, without desire, in this moment. Attending to the breath if the mind wanders. I am aware I am breathing in. I am aware I am breathing out. Keep coming back to this moment.
as you continue to pay attention to your breath, you can begin to cultivate an attitude of appreciation. Appreciate the breath or being alive in this moment. Appreciate that you've chosen to be on this path of self-awareness. Appreciating your own effort. Appreciate your body for supporting you as you sit here and practice. Allow your appreciation to reach out in your awareness to whatever you feel grateful for. whether it's your body or those who support you in your work, your environment, your home, the support of nature, your ability to be free to practice meditation right here, right now. You can continue to cultivate this appreciation for your life, or if you prefer, return back to the gentle movement of your breath and the sensations that go along with that.
and keeping your eyes closed. Simply notice the fullness in this moment. It's always important to come out of meditation slowly and maintain that mindfulness as you move from the meditative state to the waking state. And the way you do that is to slowly begin to stretch into the space around you, making mindful movements as you stretch and wiggle your fingers and toes. Begin to give yourself deeper breaths. And mindfully go from eyes closed to eyes open, paying attention to the sensations that are present while you open your eyes. Take your own time. Remember, ahimsa, nonviolence. Go at your own pace. Stay in your own integrity. and appreciate your practice and your willingness to go on this adventure. Mm, thanks for the meditation. You're welcome. Very nice to meditate on some of the gratitude and um, I just noticed when we meditate on having gratitude I always feel this expansion of who I am um, and just the incorporation or the idea of feeling everything else being a part of that gratitude so I, I like I love that practice mm. I think this is exactly what um, helps us to feel less desirous to be really present to what is right here right now I often um, listen to a woman named Lynn Twist she wrote the book The Soul of Money and um, she says you know we wake up with this habit of there not being enough. You know, we wake up with, there's not enough time. I didn't get enough sleep. I don't have enough black pants. You know, it's all this, I don't have enough time to go to work. I don't have enough time for my to-do list. And the mindfulness that we bring can actually help us to move out of that habit of not enough and move into that sense of santosha or contentment. So uh, we were talking about ways in which to practice and to cultivate this asteya. And we talked about mudita, really noticing that point of reflection when, how, when you hear of something great happening for someone and imagining and reminding yourself that there's enough for you, even if they have something. And this can go for enough money, enough um, recognition, enough love. There's enough, and you can have it too once you start to recognize that there's enough for everybody, and it'll change the way you see the world. Another way is to move into that mindful, uh, mindful life, whether you practice mindfulness through breath awareness or body scan, or whether you're practicing it while you do the dishes or driving to work or mindful speech or mindful taking a shower, just being present with what you're doing while you're doing it 
rather than being present for the stories you tell yourself while you're doing it that distract you from engaging and savoring this life we have. A really great way to practice mindfulness is while you eat. Doing one thing at a time. Feeling what you're feeling while you're doing it. It's tasting, smelling, hearing, seeing, and feeling the food while you're eating it. And I like the practice for myself of just becoming aware of what I th- I would like to, that I covet from someone or the stealing idea and meditating upon that, being aware that I feel an emptiness or aware that there's a lack in my life. And I like to meditate on that to see where that leads me to the true lack. So sometimes I find myself hungry for something and I try to identify the food that I need, not realizing that usually I need a drink of water. I'm usually thirsty. (laughs) But there's other um, places in my life where I'll feel a lack somewhere and I'll look towards someone else or towards an idea to fill that. But if I sit in meditation, I find that a lot of times it points to that oneness inside of me that I've just forgotten to center that day. And that's my true need, is to feel centered again in my true self. And then the desire for other things, it seems to go away a little bit more. I still do need to drink water and have food, but not as much as probably I think. There's other things that I'm using the food to fill up when I can just go to my true self and my meditation. Right. It's often referred to in um, Buddhism as the hungry ghost. Mm -hmm. You know, that always there's the desire, desire, desire. So coming right back here to that presence that you are, that the fullness that's available to you when you meditate, and continuing to go into meditation on a regular basis, at least once a day, if not twice a day, to source or refill yourself from that inner source. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Namaste. I wanted to say that if you want to listen to a a recorded gratitude meditation, there is one on my website, and I'm going to just give you that website address. It's McLean, M-C-L-E-A-N, meditation.com. I've heard great things about it. I've heard it's really good for kids. I've heard it's great for anyone who doesn't particularly feel grateful, and it works either way. So thanks again when join us uh, for our next conversation on the 10 jewels of the Yoga Sutras. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.